What's up, everybody? It's uh, Tales from the Green Room, episode number 160. It's your boy, Howie Spangler, here. And I have the homie, uh, Kellen Quinn, from Sleeping with Sirens here today. What's up, dude? I am the only Kellen Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens. You're the only one. I'm the only one, dude, that I know of. Dude, no way. No way. You're you're like the best Kellen Quinn in in the band, right? Um, I always thought it would be funny to, like, have, like, a doppelganger, though, like, Andrew WK style, dude. (laughs) So if I don't feel like going out, I can just send my... Maybe like a clone or something would be sick. Ah, oh, dude, that would be so great. You can imagine like all the time you could have with your family at that point. I know, right? You just pick <laughs> and choose stuff that sounds cool, and then for the rest of the time, you just give your clone like a little a little pat on the back and say, "This one's you, dude." Seriously, man. Well, I f- I feel like with the the advancement in uh, in AI recently, um, that might be a real mm-hmm. thing sooner than we think. Yeah, <laughs> but then what if everybody likes your clone better than you? Damn, that's true, though. And then you end up in some weird like situation where you gotta you gotta convince everybody that you're the real you, right? You know, and it was like, nah, nah, this this ain't. Nah, right. dude, we prefer the clone. Yeah, we prefer <laughs> the clone. Yeah, and then you get home and it's like your clone is like sleeping with your wife and, and taking your dude. kids kids to the to the baseball games and. and <laughs> I'm gonna have a nightmare about this. Oh my god, tonight. it's a bummer. There's definitely a movie or something about that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So, dude, uh, first off, I want to say uh, thanks for coming on the show. And um, we've done a couple projects together in the last couple of years, um, gotten to work with you, and uh, always crushing it. Like, wh- whatever whatever I throw at you, um, you you handle it. And uh, Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, man. It's like a uh, fucking professional. Um, but, yeah, so we did the uh, – our, our common – our mutual friend, uh, uh, James Donano, he, he kind of made the connection. And we did the um, the first Rockstar on Mars uh, rec- yep. record thing together, a little concept album, a little kids kids music, kids uh, book. Um, that turned out great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love what you did with that. Um, and you, you brought some really cool ideas. And uh, I hope people go back and check that out. It's called The First Rockstar on Mars. It's written by our friend James Donano. But he he wanted to make a um, uh, kind of like form a band and like do like a little EP around the the the, the book to sort of yep. complement it. And so we all got together, and it was it was you and me and and James and uh, Ryan Key actually from from Yellow Card, um, yep. and put together this cool little fun record for even for adults. Like I think I think parents could get down to it, you know. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like I love being able to like kind of take myself out of like what I do with my own band and just kind of like inject myself into something else because I think creatively like you're a bit more open-minded especially when you have a concept from someone else and like their thoughts and their ideas I always feel like I work better like with any artist when they give you like their form of um like vision and then you can just kind of capitalize and put your like thoughts into it as well. Um, I always work better that way rather than just like, Hey, here's a song and you come up with something because at the end of the day, we're always going to kind of go back to like what we feel comfortable doing. And I really enjoy like being taken out of my comfort zone and having just like writing a song about being in a band and playing on Mars was just like a really fun exercise to just get out of my own head and think about something else. Yeah, man. Um, that, that I, I feel the same way. It's, it's, uh, and I totally agree with like, 
you tend to want to go with what you know and sort of pull out your old tricks, you know, the, the same thing. Um, and it's nice when someone gives you a concept to roll with, uh, to kind of get the ball going, get the ball rolling. And, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's exactly what that, what that record was. Um, and yeah, the, the concept was so cool. It was like, you know, kid going to Mars to be the first rock star. It's just such a neat thing. And, uh, your lyrics and, and, um, every, the, your voice and everything, just all the melodies, it just, it just, I think it just nailed it. You know what, what he was going for. Thanks dude. Yeah. Like not really that many times you get to like write songs about aliens and stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. unless you're like, unless you're blink 182 with, um, did you get to see like any of the performance stuff they did at Coachella? They had like live streams and stuff. Did you watch any of that? I missed the live streams, but I, but I caught like, uh, I've been catching like um, clips on TikTok and, and Instagram. Yeah. Like uh, Tom DeLong has been posting a lot of stuff. Looked awesome. Yeah. I think they did pretty awesome. Like I think that um, out of all the performances I kind of checked out at Coachella, that was like one of my favorite ones. Um I don't know. Coachella gets kind of weird, huh? Cause it's like, it's a lot of different styles of music, but I feel like it leans heavy to like pop hip hop and like EDM music, Yeah. which I don't know. Like I, I definitely like gravitate towards rock. I guess it's just because it's what I do and it's my genre, but I just feel like there's just like an energy that's unmatched there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just like, I enjoyed their performance. You know, it's cool to see Tom back, in the band and performing with blink and uh it looks like they had a good time it's really funny to hear them still like tell their like dick and fart jokes though as yeah. like older as like older men you could tell like <laughs> they're like you could 50. Tell mark was like <laughs> you could tell mark like every time tom was like talking about like anal or something like that mark's like dude tone it down bro <laughs> like <laughs> we're not as young as we used to be dude it's so funny i know they they, they open the sets with uh shit piss cock sucker mother yeah. <laughs> yep uh, yeah, I, I caught a few uh, clips where they're they're doing their their typical ranting, which is something I think is missing in rock these days. So I'm glad that they're bringing that back. Yeah, um, you know, but you can tell like there's like this dichotomy of like, all right, we, we have to be careful what we say. Because, we have kids now. <laughs> yeah, because people get real offended. But um, I think that I just think that it's also kind of like this interesting like i like to coin it to like when you see like young kids smoking cigs there's like i don't want to like put like smoking cigs as like a cool stamp but it is cooler to smoke cigs when you're like younger like there's something about like being like a young person smoking whereas like when you see like an older person still smoking it's like not cool anymore yeah it's like sad (laughs) it's like sad exactly (laughs) i feel like that's kind of like a similar vibe with like older people like talking about like i don't know dick and fart jokes yeah yeah i think i think even even for them there's a line you know um and (laughs) but but to me it's like it's just silliness and and uh you know of course i think those guys are always just going to be that way but um yeah you know what else i think too this crossed my mind was like i think the same way um south park can kind of get away with anything because it's a cartoon and they've been around mm-hmm. for like 20 some years 25 years i think blink's the same it's like blink and south park kind of came up at the same time you know like 97 98 you know started getting popular and it's i don't know it just feels like it's uh they've been grandfathered in to where they can say just about anything they want yeah you have to just kind of draw a line and just go well 
we're either going to go all the way over the line or we're going to like, you can't play it safe. You got to be like one or the other. Yeah. You have to be unapologetic. Yeah. I think, I think it wouldn't be the same, you know, like if you go back and listen to, uh, I remember I was on the road last year and I was driving us and like, I was listening to, uh, the, the Mark, Tom and Travis show or Tom, Mark and Travis show. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like that live record. And at the end, the last track is just, a, a super cut of all the the dumb crazy shit they were saying <laughs> through all the shows that's really funny um that cd i had that cd on compact disc same, and same. um and i enjoyed like i enjoyed it i i found out later though that a lot of it's like studio recorded and isn't actually live and like all of like the crowd noises are like obnoxiously loud like huh they like triple or quadrupled like the crowd noises to make it sound like they're playing like the most massive show ever, <laughs> which I thought was like hilarious. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Look it up. I, I, I definitely like gotten some like Reddit forums about it and huh. um, just thought that was interesting. So Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Like definitely the, the crowd seemed like really super loud. I just thought they had the crowd mics turned up and, the, and they mixed it that way. But um, damn, if there's a whole conspiracy here, like we, <laughs> we, we didn't go to the moon, bro. Like I, I want to know about it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's great, dude. Um, and uh, before I forget, uh, thanks for lending your your talents to the, uh, the Callisto song, Fake It. Really appreciate mm -hmm. it. it. Turned out awesome. I want to talk about that for a sec. So that song was, a. it came from a riff that like, I wrote in like, I don't know, 2019, 2020, bored, sitting around, just had it in my head. You know, you know what, you know how it is. Like you, you have ideas banging around your head and you got to get them down and get them out of your head so you can make room for the good ones or the new right. ones, you know? And that's how it felt. It's like, I'm just going to get this out of the way. And uh, my band, Valley, who's never going to play this, um, you know, we, this is just too heavy and weird for us, you know, and just sat on the, on the shelf in the cloud there. And, uh, when we were, <clears throat> when James and Brandon and I got together, um, we were figuring it out. Um, I was like, well, I got this one thing and, you know, see how it goes. And we fleshed it out. And when it came time to like write lyrics or, you know, come up with a melody, I was like, I have no clue what to do with this. Like, and I think James immediately was like, yo, mate, I'll hit up Kellen and see if he's like, like down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, did sure enough, bro. He sent me like all these tracks of like a finished song. I was like, holy shit, dude, like you're a machine. And, oh. and it sounds great. You did, it, you did such an awesome job with it and took it places where I just didn't know where to go. So, uh, thank you very much for that. It sounds awesome. Oh, of course. Dude. Yeah. Like I, uh, I always tend to like overdo it, but I feel like it's better to overdo it than to under deliver. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, dude, if I have like an idea, like let's go, but that's funny that you said that you have things that you like leave in the cloud. Like my problem is, is like, sometimes I will get to a point where I just put like random lyrics in my phone, but then I'll end up like using them. And then I just like run out. Of stuff. So <laughs> I need to like, that's that's interesting that you said that like you you have things that you just kind of like leave behind and then come back to like I need to do that I need to spend like a month just like filling my phone with like random ideas and lyrics so that way like when I run out of things because people will send me music and sometimes I'll look back through my phone I'll be like oh I already used all this I have yeah. to actually use my brain today <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's uh, the the whole voice memo thing is is great because like. I mean, I've been obviously using that shit for years, um, mm -hmm. but like, um, I, I'll sometimes go back through and I'll like, I'll 
scroll all the way back and I'm like, wow, there's some cool stuff in here that I never used or forgot about. I'm yeah. so, so glad that I, that I recorded it, you know, cause there, mm -hmm. there are certain nights, there are some nights where like, cause being an artist is like a, it's a gift and a curse. Right. So like, I'm like, uh, I'm writing songs, like when I'm about to fall asleep and I don't feel like getting up to grab my phone or yep. go grab my guitar and like, I'll remember in the morning, it's a really good melody. And then and the you next, forget. forget. And it's like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> 100% dude. Yeah. I've done that before where I had like a really cool melody and I'll like, well, at the time when you're like half asleep, you'll be like, Oh, that was a really cool melody. And like, there has been times where I've like gone to the bathroom and just like quietly sang it. And then the next morning, like, it's hit or miss. You never know if it's going to be cool or not. Like sometimes you'll wake up and be like, what the fuck was I thinking? Or you'll be like, oh, that was dope. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exactly. You never know unless you put it in there. Yep. 100%, man. Um, yeah. It's like I'll, I'll be walking around the airport like a like a weirdo, like singing into my totally. phone. Totally. Like, I do that too. Airport <laughs> bathrooms or airplane like bathrooms. I've recorded a lot of voice memos. And like the problem on the airplane bathrooms is that like it's so fucking loud in there that's like, and you're trying to sing quiet. So people like maybe waiting outside are like, what the hell is this person doing in there? But um, yeah, sometimes it'll be like real loud. So, <laughs> so, many, so many good songs have been written in airplane bathrooms, dude. Dude, that's a whole podcast in itself. It has to be. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, yo, let's talk about uh, Sleeping With Sirens, man. I want to know. Cool. I don't know a whole lot about the band, dude. Like, <clears throat> um, I remember uh, I've always heard about you guys, and we did two Warp tours. And I think, I know you were on the 2016 one. I can't remember if you were on the 2012 one or not. Um, but we did both of those. And I remember in 2016... Um, as, as memory I go back to sometimes, um, I'm sitting in the, you know, everybody's got their tent in front of the bus and chilling, you know, uh, and we were there midday sometime. I, I believe it was Milwaukee. We were like, I think we already played our set and we were all showered up and chilling, having a beer. And here comes, uh, Kellen Quinn walking by just like, and you had a megaphone and, <laughs> and I believe you beatbox. You stopped and looked at us, and we're like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And you were, you started beatboxing the Super Mario Brothers theme. Yeah. Yes, and I thought that was really fucking rad. And I had never met you before. And oh my god! Yeah, I was like, this dude's just cool as shit, just strolling around. Yeah, you were like, I think your like your manager or somebody was like behind you, just kind of hanging out, like just you, you know? And yeah, that's funny. I. uh we did a lot of warp tours. Like Kevin liked to like bring us back a lot and they all kind of blur together. Um, that was definitely like a period of time where I was heavy boozing. Like I remember we had like a fireball for whatever reason, thought it was awesome to send us like one of their fireball machines and like two cases of fireball. Jesus. And we ended up going through both the cases in like a week because we were like inviting everyone on our bus and giving them like these ice cold, like fireball shots <laughs> to the point where our guitar player like hit up fireball. Cause he was like their point of contact. And he's like, Hey, is there any way we can get another case? And they're like, no dude, <laughs> that's it. But like, yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, I'm glad that's like a good memory you have. Cause like, there's a lot of like obnoxious things that I remember doing. Like I remember I had like a, we bought like razor scooters at Walmart and for like, a week I was like just ripping around on this scooter and in the middle of the night, just like crashing into things and yelling sports and just like being completely obnoxious. Um, so warp tour was like definitely that, you know? Oh man. Yeah. There was, um, there was tons of debauchery for sure, especially at night. Um, yeah. So is that, so that, is that what it was? Was it like booze driven, just debauchery maniacs? 
What with the megaphone? No, yeah. I think probably. Well, the megaphone thing was we used it for like one song. So I probably had just gotten it that day, and I was just running around and like being obnoxious. Yeah, I, being obnoxious with the megaphone for sure. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that I would just stop and awkwardly beatbox something to a bunch of people that I didn't know. That sounds like that definitely sounds like old Kellen. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, and I, I offered you. Um, I had a bottle of Jameson at my feet, and I offered you a shot, and you, you turned it down. I thought that I respect that. <laughs> I turned it down you probably did. because I, probably because you didn't have a chaser at the time. Like when I used to do uh, shots of Jameson, I would like do a coke back with it, and. Um, we definitely put on a lot of LBs back in the day, but yeah, I've never been awesome at doing just shots of Jameson by itself. I can do tequila as long as I have a lime. Sure. But um, Jameson, and the worst too is when you're out and you've had like a few drinks and you're like you're there with either like a stranger that sees you and knows the band and goes, hey, let me buy you a shot, or like somebody in your crew that's like, yeah, I'll get this next round, and it's like Jameson. And it doesn't have like a chaser. And I'm just like, oh my God, how am I going to stomach this right now, dude? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we we um, we had a, a well, mid 2000s, we had like a Jaeger stint. And then, Ugh. and yeah, it was like five <laughs> years of Jaeger pounding every night. And Ugh, yeah, I can't even think about it without gagging. And yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, and then we switched, we had this weird, <clears throat> awkward time where we switched to, uh, fireball for a couple of years yep. and, and even had the company hitting us up with bottles and stuff. And then, uh, and then we felt like we had to grow up a little bit and, and be more, uh, sophisticated gentlemen. So we started drinking gen uh, Jameson. Um, yep. and, and yeah, that's some, that's something that's still to this day. I can, I can take no problem. Just throw it back and be, be you know, just go, don't miss a beat, you know? Yeah. But like we're at least more responsible with it. Yeah. Now these like these days. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm. I don't. I definitely don't partake as much as I used to. And like, uh, we have a our, our stage tech. He'll. He's. I also call him out as our, our whiskey tech. Um. But yep. like he'll. So on the breaks in the set, he'll he'll bring shots for everybody. But now they're like a quarter of the size every time. So roughly, you know, three or four breaks in the set. Like we'll we'll drink about one the equivalent of one full shot the entire set, which is good. <laughs> like science dude it's um, science you know what's funny is like i don't drink at all before sets anymore yeah um like if i do have a drink it'll be like it'll be like one drink after the show mm -hmm. just because like number one i feel like it's for me like i am a way better performer if i'm up there and i'm like conscious in my body sure and i did a lot of tours where i was drinking heavy before shows and i just feel like it's not fair to me or the fans to go up there and just not be present and not like really be involved in the moment. So like, that's something that 100% has stops for me. Um, and also I've noticed that like, as I get older, this thing happens where when you drink like excessively, like you just look swollen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially in, in your face, you know, and it's like, you're constantly doing photos and pictures and stuff. And just like, also, dude, when you get to a certain age, like you feel it the next day, whether you have like one drink or not. So being like, as like, as grueling as touring is, especially as you get older, it gets harder too. It's like, it's easier for me to just, I like to like, wake up and go running and I like to like be awake and present and stuff. And like, especially when you're touring in the summer, it's good to be outside and have the summer heat on you and stuff. So I definitely have chilled out a lot 
on drinking. It's taken a lot of years to like overcome it, but I'm glad that I have a hold on it now. Yeah, that's great, man. We, we, it's the same for us. Like we've been really dialing back, and I mean, we used to. Oh my god, yeah, we would we would like find the the venue or bar that we're playing. We go, okay, there, there's the venue, and let's go find the the beer store, and we get a bunch of beers, and we start drinking yep. at like three o'clock, and by eleven we go on, and we're shit faced. <laughs> And we used to think like, we're so good. We're so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was a sick show. And then I heard uh, a show, someone recorded one of our shows and sent me the, the multi-track. I listened to it. I was like, oh my God, is this what we've been doing? <laughs> yeah, that's what you've been doing. <laughs> oh, awful, dude. And so, and yeah, and the other thing too is like, especially like, you know, probably five to 10 years ago, I started realizing like, man, like it's really hard to get through the set. Not just like, you know, being drunk and sort of being loose or whatever. It's like, I feel like I'm pulling like two dead horses behind me, you know, like, it's like struggling to get up this hill, like the whole set. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't feel like that. Like yeah. it should be, it should be enjoyable and it should be like, yeah, you want people coming to your shows and going, that was like the best I've ever seen you. And I've, I've noticed that within the last few years, We've been getting a lot of that. We've been getting a lot of like, that's the best I've ever seen you guys. You guys look happy. You look healthy. And it's like, damn, if people are saying that we look happy and healthy, then we must've looked real rough. back in the day. <laughs> Dude, I know I, I look at old pictures and stuff and it's like, yeah, I look younger, but God, I, I don't look I, like I said, like you said, I look swollen and um, just tired and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good to grow up, dude. It's uh -huh. good to totally. At least, at least to some degree, you know. <laughs> so I, I realized today, um, for, for it's the twenty sixth, and my band started our first tour seventeen years ago today. Wow! And yeah, so it prompted me to ask. Um, so let's get into the, to the sleeping with siren stuff. When 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 did the band start? When did you guys actually first go on tour? Like when did, when did shit start popping? Um. So that's that's a fun history lesson. Um. I. <laughs> And I'm almost going to have to like Google this because I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. When did sleeping with sirens form? This is incredible. I love this. 2009, it says. What? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. So 2009 is, I guess, when we went to Florida to record our first record. I would say that the band... Um, really started to pick up steam and like become who we are now around like 2011 though. Wow. I mean, that's, that's relatively short. Um, you guys like, <clears throat> because it usually takes five to 10 years for a band to really start popping, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're, you're playing shows and stuff for sure. And you're probably bringing 50, hundred, maybe 200 people. Um, but to get to the level that that you guys were at in in the early to mid 2010s like um that's that's an accomplishment you know that's huge um we we've like we've always been the band like we never like like bro like we weren't put we're not putting like five six hundred people a night in uh, across the country uh you know it's like we'll do that in certain markets you know but like we're roughly like a 200 a night band something like that and, okay. And uh, so, like, to to hear that, and to you know, to see, I mean, you guys have shitloads of streams on on Spotify, and seeing your crowds at, at the shows at Warped Torn and stuff, like, 
um, you know, that that's a huge accomplishment um, to, you know, you're talking what, 14 years, you know, and you guys were killing it seven, eight years ago. You know what I mean? So I think that's great to be four or five years into your career and just like be, be smashing like that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of factors that like led to it. I think Warped Tour is like a huge conduit. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it was just kind of like right place, right time with kind of where music was at that moment. Um, and yeah, just constantly being on the road, I think too, is like a huge part of it. Like, I mean, my band has been playing shows and going nonstop since the formation, um, you know, with time off in between, but basically time off in between to make records. Like we're on seven records now. So <clears throat> like it's been a long process, dude. And we uh, we're very grateful to still be able to go out and play shows and our, our motto is kind of like as long as there's people that still want to come see our band like we'll still we'll, we'll go out and we'll play shows um but but yeah that's kind of where we are with everything like we're about to head out on the road actually in like two weeks oh great where, where are you heading oh we're just doing like some stuff in the u.s it's like honestly like we put together this tour because we had like three or four festivals that we were doing mm -hmm. and to just kind of route some stuff around it. But <clears throat> I'm actually really excited because we're going out with um, my buddy, Elliot Mags, who I'm like a big fan of. So like, honestly, like getting to watch him every single night will be, will be a really cool experience. So that's great. It's going to be us day seeker and mags. That's rad, dude. Um, was there, was there like, so back in the, the the beginning times, like 2009 ish, 2010, I uh, said you made your first <laughs> record. So like, um, was it like did were there a lot of like, did it get dark and and tough at times in those first oh, couple of years? Course. Yeah, I think that like, I think that's just kind of how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's definitely the band. I think music constantly does this like cycle where. <clears throat> there's up moments and there's down moments. And if you can weather the down moments, then the up moments will feel like a lot better and a lot like more um, substantial like in your life. And I think that what I've learned is through the down moments, um, it inspires great songs and it inspires you to like go, well, at least for me to like go into the studio and to like write about the hard times and stuff and yeah our band has had our share of like down moments but um but we're grateful to have like come out the other side better and stronger you know as people and as like a band yeah yeah that's great um <clears throat> every band has their story and 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 i'd say yeah the, the dark times happen i mean i i definitely you know regret to say that like uh, more than a couple times where i felt like shit wasn't working and not going the, the way it was supposed to go and even feeling pressure to change what I was doing as far as like like style of music or, or like maybe we need to go more in this direction or you know you know having all those doubts and like um comparing ourselves to our peers and um did you ever feel like that did you ever feel like at some point like shit this isn't working anymore like maybe we should go this direction or you know any, anything like like anything compromising not really like that just because 
Um, more so like there's just like there are some songs that like we've recorded and I've been like, mm. well, the pro I think the problem is is like we, especially with me as like a vocalist, like I feel like I can sing like a lot of different genres of music, so it becomes like this. Does this feel like whatever our band is? Um, but our band like does so many different styles of stuff. Like there's songs that sound pop punk. There's songs that sound heavy. There's songs that kind of like lean in the middle. And so there's moments where I go, was this the right song to record? But then that could be like somebody's favorite song. And I think that for us, it's never really been a comparison to other bands. I think that we have had influence from other bands, but we are the type of band that prefers to go against the grain mm -hmm. and to like, I don't know. It, it's almost like an elitist thing, not like in a dickhead way, but in like a, sometimes I look at what other bands do and I go, okay, I definitely don't want to do that. It's more, <laughs> it's more yeah. of that kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that it just comes from like my whole band is every single member that's in the band is like, we, we are really like confident in what we like and we're really confident in what we don't like. Mm -hmm. And so those things I think attribute to like us being who we are and never like bowing to like what people expect. If someone like expects us to sound or do something, like it's almost like we go in the complete opposite direction as like a spite thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's just kind of how we are. So yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have this thing like, like my band is like, uh, we're like, a it, I call it beach rock. It's like, it's like punk rock, reggae kind of, well, like kind of whatever. Um, and so like a lot of pop punk, like melodies and, and riffs and shit, but then like, we'll mix it with some reggae, kind of like the way, like, uh, like Goldfinger did it yep. back in the day, sort of like that. Um, but more like green day sounding, I would say. Um, yeah. and <clears throat> And so that was always my shit. And like, I like all of these things. I like, and you know, we have a couple songs that like, there's like, like a, this song called Riddle with Bullets. It's like a sleeper hit with all the fans. Like, um, it's got this like post hardcore, like metal breakdown in the middle. It's like really silly, but it works for the song. Um, and people fucking love it. And um, so I always feel like um, I want to do everything, you know, I want to, I want to show everything that we do and it's sometimes it's hard for me to stay focused as far as like finding like a like a common thread for an album for example like our, our new record is is very kind of all over the place it has all of the stuff like all the things we do rather than a more focused sound that's like sort of one direction or one sound um it, is that something that you've dealt with in the past or do you just just kind of like write a song like it's fucking cool whatever are, are you concerned with like uh flow of the record in that way or what do you think uh, i mean it is nice when you have a record that sounds cohesive but mm. yeah it doesn't really ever work like that i think in this day and age like you i mean especially for us like we definitely write records in like increments like i'm a huge believer in like going in the studio for like a week or two weeks and then like leaving for a while and like living with the songs and listening to them because the problem with being in the studio and my biggest concern always like i've never had like a good experience where you just lock in with like one producer and that's the guy and you sit in there the entire time and you make a whole record front to back like i hate that shit. Mm. i think like because your your mind when it's 
in the studio space and you're listening to the same song like over and over and over and over again, it's almost like your brain tricks you into thinking it's like good. <laughs> you know, it's like your brain goes, this has to be good. I've heard it so many times. I'm so used to it. But like, there's something good about leaving that space, taking like a break for like a couple weeks and then going back and listening to it and going, oh, this song isn't as cool as I thought it was. Like maybe this song doesn't need to be on the record or like maybe this song, I still like this song, but like I can change this. And there's like a beauty to that rather than just like tracking everything down and it's like in stone and sent off. Like I think that leaving something for a little bit and coming back to it is like the key for us at least. Bro, that's 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 a great way to do it. Like the last, um, our last few releases, like, album singles ep stuff like that the last few years we've done it in-house so like i'm pretty much like engineering and, and mixing and producing everything that we do and i i dude i sit and listen to these songs like a thousand times like yep. on different systems airpods the car the fucking the studio monitors like headphones whatever um and i i just want to know what it sounds like and i want to make sure that i'm absolutely happy with what we did like there's so many old records where I'm like, why did I sing that like that? Or why did I let that go? Right. Or why didn't I add this one gets cool guitar lick? You know, you think you end up thinking of things like a month later or even six months later. Um, and there is something really cool about going into the studio and banging out a brand new song with the band and like throwing it down and there it is. Um, and we've done that. And there's some cool shit that's happened, but then like you know, our, our, our bass player, for example, he hates, he hates this one song that we did. I, I think it's cool, but he's, I guess he hates his bass line in it. You know, it's yeah. just like, he wish he had more time to spend with it. And I would absolutely prefer that more. It's just that excitement gets you like, Oh shit, a brand new song. And it's fucking cool and whatever. But it, like you said, it sort of fools you because you're excited about it. It's new, you know, <laughs> for sure. And I think that we are always going to be like our worst critics. Like I don't mm -hmm. listen to other people's music not often at least and sit there and go like man i'm not really a big fan of how that bass line sounds or man i'm not like it's like you listen to the song collectively and you just listen to it as a whole yeah and you decide whether or not you like the song or not you never are like listening to the parts but of course we are because that's what we're locked into and that's what we're creating so of course we're gonna like listen to something and judge like how a vocal sounds or like how this harmony sounds or how like this baseline sounds or a drum fill, like everyone's going to like single out their parts. But when a, when somebody is like listening to your music, they're not objectively like listening to those things. They're listening to like the song as a whole. And it's just like a matter of, do I like this song or do I not? <laughs> they can't tell you why they don't like it or why they do. They just like it. And it's kind of like a magic thing, you know, like you go in, you create something out of thin air and you give it to someone else and it's theirs. It's not yours anymore. Um, and there's like rarely times where I'll go back and listen to like our songs after it's like sent off to mixing and mastering. Like I'm done with it. It's not my song anymore. You know, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, uh, I, it, I've, I've been amazed by like um, in the past, like hearing, uh not just our songs but like songs i've heard from other bands or whatever like where they're like the most popular song or one of the most popular songs and like the recording is like pretty bad like it was yep. done a long time ago but like the people just don't really seem to care about that they just they hear the song you know yeah it, i don't know that's just always like i always try to like make my shit sound as big and 
crisp and clear and you know as possible um but yeah it's like sometimes you got these old recordings that just wasn't done very well but for whatever reason the song the song itself cuts through and people just love it i was kind of fascinated by that you know for sure i mean mixing and mastering is like a whole different art form um yeah and i mean the problem is though is that you have to know and imagine that it doesn't matter how dope your mix sounds in headphones or on monitors and stuff like kids are just gonna listen to that shit through the bottom of their phone. Right? <laughs> exactly. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, the song just has to be good, dude. Like the words, the lyrics, the melody, the music, everything has to like be cool because yeah, I mean, that's how kids like, I know for, um, for instance, there's a producer that I know that I'll, I'll remain, I'll keep him nameless, but um, he's been mixing with AirPods because yeah. in his brain that's where kids are going to be listening to their their songs that he creates like i'm sure he listens on speakers too but like if it's dialed in on the airpods he knows that it's going to be great for um fans to like listen to the music because that's where they listen to it i uh, do um i don't hate on that at all i, I actually do this <laughs> i do the same thing i not yeah. in, not in the airpods but like uh so there's this real quick, there's this system called the VSX from Stephen Slate. And he puts out all this great stuff. Anyway, the headphones, it, it's basically like modeled speakers in different rooms and stuff. And there's an AirPods setting. So I mix in nice. that mostly because I go, well, shit, this is where everybody's going to listen. So yep. it sounds good in here. You know, it's going to be great. And then you can switch between different rooms and a boom box and different and cars and, and different cool. like really nice, like like NRG and like really nice studios um, that they modeled. And as long as you have, if you can come up with like a good sound between all those different rooms, you probably have a well-balanced mix. And then sure enough, I'll throw in the AirPods, listen to the first mix. I'm like, damn, this is really close. You know, it's, it's cut down my mixing time, but yeah, AirPods, mixing in AirPods. There, there's this whole thing about like, there's this dogma about how to record and how to mix. And it's just like, no, do what sounds the best for you. You know, don't, you don't have to listen to that shit. I always got so hung up on that stuff and sort of doubted myself as a mixing engineer. I started realizing like, shit, this sounds pretty good. It's objectively like, it sounds like I want it to sound. So, and it's not overbearing on certain frequencies, like, you know, weird shit like that. There's definitely a point where it's like, okay, I remember trying to put something out like 10 years ago and I listened back, I'm like, this is terrible. Like the mix is awful. <laughs> but you know, I, I've been mixing our stuff the last couple of years and nobody said a word like this sounds bad or they're like, this is awesome. You know, yeah, I, was, that's I, was, great. I always got hung up on all that dogma, you know, with snobby music engineers or mixing engineers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a feels guy, dude. Like yeah. it feels good. I'm into it. So that's it, man. So um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask a, uh, it, do, it, was there like a was there like a moment um, that you remember or like uh, a point where you're just like holy shit like this is working like there's all these people here oh my god we got so many streams like was there that moment or just was it more like organic and just sort of happened over time? Uh, there's a couple moments. I remember being in New York and carrying some gear from the van into the venue and some girl screaming and I thought like something was wrong but I realized that she was screaming because I was walking by and yes. that was like, the first time I had heard that so that was strange but like <laughs> also kind of exciting I'm like wow like damn dude because like we, we would tour with other bands and they would have like a um you know does they would have fans showing up to the venue like well before the show and I always thought that was like crazy I'm like I can't wait for that to happen for us like that's really really cool now 
as you know, our band's getting older, my thought process is like, dude, there's no fucking reason why you need to be here this early. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, like, you're just in dad mode. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's freezing outside. Like, please don't get sick. Like, put a blanket around you at least, you know. Like, or it's like the opposite. It's like way too fucking hot to be sitting out here. Like, you're gonna get sunburned. Um, but that for sure. And then I think definitely like Warp Tour. Um, our first time like playing. I think it was like the monster stage or something and just like not knowing what to expect and just looking out of the crowd and being like, holy shit. Like there's so many people. Like that was definitely like the first like real giant show that we'd done. Um, and it was, it was a really cool experience. That's so cool. Yeah. You guys would uh, have stupid pack stages every day. <laughs> it's just like, fuck dude, these guys are huge. It's, it's crazy. Um, the, the whole warp tour thing, um, was, it was definitely a phenomenon and it's, it's, uh, turned so many people on to so many different bands. I, I remember like just seeing a bunch of bands I had never heard of before. I, I'm pretty sure like I hadn't heard of Sleeping With Sirens until we got to Warped Tour, like, like many other bands, you know, Falling in Reverse and all those other bands. Um, yeah. and that was just so, so rad, um, to see them. Like, I can't believe like there's this whole scene of, of kids and bands that, that I've never even heard of. I had no idea what was happening and look at this stage right now. It's fucking packed you know yeah i mean i've discovered like all my favorite bands from warp tour too like i'm as a fan like i that was like one of my favorite things to go to um to save up money and get tickets to go to warp tour with your friends was like was great and the cool thing is is that there was so many different styles of music at warp tour and <clears throat> it was cool to show up with your buddies and be like hey i'm gonna go check this band out and they'd be like oh i'm gonna go check this band out all right cool let's meet back at like the I don't know the fucking the van's tent or something to like make sure that we're not like lost. And then that was cool. Like it was cool to like be able to share the common thread of we enjoy music, but you know, it was also cool to have your friends be like, Oh, I really want to see this band and I really want to see this band. And that's cool to like break off and to, to have that experience. Yeah. It, the, it was a definitely exciting time. I remember like, uh, every morning, you know, we'd be out there throwing our posters up and stuff at like 7 a.m. And, um, you know, our set times and stuff. And then the gates open and just a rush of kids like flood in and they go straight to the the big blow up schedule to see what the day is going to look like. And yep. they're, they're all taking pictures with their phones and writing down like who they're going to see, when they're going to see them. Um, such a really cool thing that Kevin did, man. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I don't think it would work now just because everyone has a phone and you can just like tweet out like the schedule. I, <laughs> well, it is cool that it's like different every single day, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome to to be on uh, to be on a festival where the, it's exciting, dude. It's like Christmas. There was this unofficial uh, rumor that like Kevin would, if he saw you like raging uh, at the party. Um, that night he would put you on first the next day like 11 or oh, that's noon true. That's, that's true not a, that's not a rumor that's real because i remember walking by him one day and thank god i wasn't lit but i remember seeing like a band that was just like falling over on the ground and just out of their mind and he he looked at me and he kind of gave me this look and he goes i guess i know who's playing first tomorrow and I'm like, Fuck, dude. <laughs> yes okay so i got confirmation that's great yep. i he did that to us. Um, we we played at uh, it was the Orlando date, and this was 2012. 
And the Orlando party was always like the big one. It was like the the, the grounds were big and like just, yeah. just a big party. And people from outside the the fest were coming in, you know, like friends and stuff of the bands. And we were shit faced. We were drinking all kinds of beer and, and whiskey probably. And yeah, the next morning we find out we're playing at noon uh, in St. Pete, and it was like stupid hot. And I've oh. got I've got pictures of that day where we're just sweating it out, and we just look. Like we're having the worst time ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so luckily they're only thirty minute sets, and then after that, you can just like go die in your bus. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine like doing that and then having to go up and play like a full like hour and fifteen minute set, like a headliner set? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. That those were some of those days were rough, dude. I remember like one year we were. It was like. Uh, St. Louis, I think. And it was the hottest day in the country in that city. Um, and we played at like fucking noon or something. Ugh, terrible. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely hot days. Um, my thing, it was like when there was like weather watch, like when there was like lightning or thunder and like Kevin would put like a hold on the set and you didn't know if like your set was going to get cut or if it was going to like just get pushed back or if it was going to like... You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. trying to prepare for that in the best sense of the, of the word, you know, like, and it sucks too. Like, I know that like a lot of situations like that can like be real frustrating to like fans too. Cause you're like there to like have your day at work tour and it gets cut down by like weather or whatever. Yeah. But um, those are always like the hardest things to navigate was just like lightning and thunder and rain and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we had we had a weird one uh, up in I think it was um, it was I want to say it was like Toronto maybe one of one of those years like yeah flooding lightning and uh, just wild and like the whole we everybody went to the amphitheater and the whole like amphitheater dance floor was like flooded it was wild yeah yeah I we, remember that yeah we weren't sure if we were gonna play that day or not um, so uh, being like uh, you know coming up in in the Warped Tour scene and all that um, doing those shows. Uh, are you, you know, there are a lot of kids for sure. So are you finding that your fans are like growing up with you guys or are you guys picking up new fans like, uh, like teenagers and 18 year olds and stuff like that? Or cause I find yeah, it's a bit, of, it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, I think that there are younger fans, but there's, you know, there's fans that have kids that are bringing to shows now, you know? So mm. that's like pretty crazy to see. Um, but yeah, it, it's nice to have like older fans and it's nice to have like younger fans that are just getting into it. And um, it's it's a cool experience to to see the growth. That's great. Yeah, we, we it was for us, the first time we did it in 2012 was like the best summer ever. It was super brutal, but like we picked up so many fans and sold a bunch of records that year. And it was just, it was wild to see. And then we, we still have people that were like, I saw you guys at Warped Tour, you know, even today, you know, it's very, very cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good time. It, it was a good look to be on that tour, and uh, definitely thanks to Kevin for having us all those times. Heck um, yeah! So um, yeah, I'll let you get going here in a minute. Uh, did you? Uh, did, you did I see you had a birthday? I did on the twenty fourth. Nice man, happy birthday, dude! Thank you. Oh yeah, belated. Um, so uh, any places that you want to play that you haven't played yet? Like, what's the what's the holy grail for you? Um, well, 
I don't know. Like, I think that there, we've played a lot of places in the world. We have never been to like South Africa, which I always thought would be cool. We get a lot of people that say you have a lot of fans there, like Israel's another place that we've never been. Um, it'd be cool to go. Um, and then we did Southeast Asia like one time. So it'd be cool to go back there too. But everywhere else, I feel like we've hit plenty of times. Um, but yeah, like there are just like a couple places that we haven't checked off the map that would be cool to go to. That's really cool, man. That, that being able to to get outside the U.S. and and go explore and play out there. I we haven't been able to do that yet. We you know we've done all fifty U.S. states and Canada and Mexico, and that's as far as we've gotten. Um, yeah. Well, and Virgin Islands too. But um, we would love to go to Japan or or Europe. It would just be so fun. Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Japan's awesome. Uh, Europe's awesome. Like there's a lot of, and, and the thing that's cool about it too, is that everyone's different where you go. Like there's, there's different like styles of fans, I guess, you know? So it's cool to like be a part of the culture and to like, just see what everyone's about, like to hear the different things that people yell at shows. Like I remember when we go like forever, like we always go to, um, like Scotland and, um, they always say like, here we, here we, here we fucking go before every show. <laughs> <laughs> like a thing that happens. So like, it's always cool to like hear that and to just be like, oh, yep, this is where we're at. It's, it's like clockwork every single time you go, they yell the same thing. So man, how, how cool is music though, right? So cool, dude. <laughs> it's the best. It's, it's like universal, man. It doesn't matter. It I, I love it. It's just a, it's a, it's like a body language. It's a vibration, you know? Yes. It's so fucking cool. Um, well, shit, man. Uh, thanks so much for, for being on the show. I'm sure you got stuff to do. Um, but I, I appreciate you coming on. And um, again, thanks for the, you know, working on with us on the Callisto and the uh, Rockstar Mars stuff. And I, I hope to work with you again, man. Love, would love to write some pop punk tunes with you at some point. I would love it, dude. Yeah, anytime. And uh, thanks again for letting me be a part of your, your world and work with you too. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, uh, have fun on the tour, bro. Uh, rock the shows and uh, definitely be following along. All right, bro. We'll talk soon. Okay, man. Later. Peace.